welcome to Deeper, a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. Our podcast follows the Sunday sermon and aims to help our congregations go deeper into God's Word. Welcome everyone to Deeper and our final episode in our Entrusted series, Digging Deeper into the Book of 2 Timothy. My name is Clayton Ryan and this week we've got a bumper episode and we'll be discussing the whole of 2 Timothy with all three pastors, Rod Bailey, Mark Roberts and Ken Davies. So how is everyone doing and what have you guys gotten up to uh, for the school holidays? Yeah, well... Uh, school holidays for me has been lots of bike riding. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm part of a friendly competition called the Tour de Isolation. <laughs> and, <we're, laughs> and, uh, and because we're not allowed to ride in large groups, we're competing against one another to see who can do the most amount of vertical meters in the month. Oh, oh my well. goodness. Mm. That sounds yeah. horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Outside school holidays, you're also doing a lot of cycling, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nothing's changed. <laughs> just, just the elevation. <laughs> yeah. Well, for our household, it's mainly um, selfish time for me, end of September, um, my birthday, and then um, our wedding anniversary. So we've been mm-hmm. um, getting treated by different family members, ordering Uber Eats and some such meal arriving that oh, we're nice. enjoying. So... Um, had Italian on uh, Tuesday night for our wedding anniversary. Um, we had um, stuff from Katosh uh, the mm-hmm. other week for my birthday and another meal. Caught up with some family on... Sounds like you might need to join the tour to Iceland. That's right. <laughs> no, this, this is what's needed now. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we've been eating extremely well. Yeah. So to put you on the spot, how many years have you guys been married? 25. So silver anniversary. Yes. Yeah, I, I carefully planned a pastoral care meeting yesterday and then told mm. them all that it was the 25th, so I'd get lots of, you know, yeah. congratulations <laughs> yeah. on your 25th. Yeah. It was just isolation ploy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for us this holidays, uh, we were supposed to be going on a camping holiday with some friends of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, but in lieu of that, we've um, I've done some camping in the backyard with the kids, mm-hmm. the older two anyway, and... Um, it's, it's so unfair because whenever we've gone camping in the past, uh, the kids sleep so badly. You know, they're up yeah. till midnight and then they wake up at the crack of dawn and, you, you know, you, you feel like a zombie the next day. But they have slept perfectly in the backyard tent oh, wow. and I have been the one who has not slept. So, <laughs> shoes on the other foot now. Yeah. Anyway, but it's been fun. Well, at least you know from now on, after the camping trip finishes, just leave the tent up. Yeah, that's right. Put them to bed out there. <laughs> yeah. Problem solved. Yeah. Excellent. Now, before we begin discussing the letter, Ken, could you please give us an overview of the theme of Second Timothy? Yep. Well, hopefully the listeners, uh, you guys will be able to determine whether calling the series Entrusted was the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly seems like what's going on is Paul is writing to uh, a pastor who he has mentored, he's trained up, he's been involved in seeing him established uh, and writing to him to clarify what he has been entrusted with. He's been given the gospel uh, and as he's received that gospel, there's always a temptation to turn away from it and to turn away from the messenger. Uh, and so there seems to be a twofold uh command that just keeps on coming through stay focused on the gospel stay connected to the gospel messenger uh, and that just keeps on coming through the whole of the letter Mm. excellent now i thought i'd begin by opening the door up a little and i'm not a hundred percent sure where this will go 
but I figured we're all professionals at this, so we'll all uh, keep in line. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> but as we read through the letter, it would be, it could be easy to think that this letter was written for our times now. Uh, it just seems so relevant. You know, there's just mega churches around the world, uh, pastors corrupting the gospel, false teachers abound, and the need for faithful ministers to be encouraged, but also you know, kind of warned and admonished uh, if they're being timid. So how is it that a letter that was written so long ago can be so relevant to us today? So maybe, Rod, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, well, two broad answers to begin with. One, um, the very letter of 2 Timothy in um, chapter 3, verse 16, 17, says that all Scripture is God-breathed and mm. is useful, profitable for teaching us. And so I think we should expect always with Scripture that it will speak into every age and from mm. every book. And so we shouldn't be surprised that it uh, is relevant for today. Um, yeah. All of Scripture is in that sense. And I guess secondly, um, still in a broad sense, um, there's, there's a lot of parallels, I guess, between the first century and today. Like a lot of the letters of the New Testament have these similar themes. Mm. Uh, the, you know, Christians are under pressure. They've got to stand firm. Uh, the gospel's got to go out in the midst of persecution. Surprise, surprise, there's a lot of uh, parallels with our situation today. Uh, mm. Christians are still a minority. There's a lot of uh, pushback against the gospel today. Yeah. Um, it's a lot about standing firm as a believer and holding out the gospel to a world that's in great need but is often um, ignorant of that or rejecting that idea. Mm. Um, and so I think for those reasons, yeah, a lot of the New Testament, including this letter, really feels fresh to us. Mm. I think that um, it, it's probably helpful to keep in mind that as much as we feel like, oh, um, this thing written 2,000 years ago was written for us now for this moment, mm. which in one sense, yes, uh, but it was written for, for, for the church in every moment. And so yeah. I think every generation of Christians has probably read 2 Timothy and gone, wow, they're facing the exact same struggles <laughs> as we are here <laughs> yeah. in you know, the 16th century and here we are in the 7th century, all those sort of things. Um, and that, yeah, I think that's because of the author of these words that mm. as we read them, they're living, they're active, they're working, uh, speaking into our context. So yeah, it shouldn't surprise us. Although I will say, I think I, I have been pleasantly surprised um, when we were planning this series. I remember us sitting in a room and me sort of fretting and my hair turning gray and thinking, <laughs> how is this going to be relevant for the members of our congregation? This is relevant for us pastors but you know yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what value is this for anybody who's not a pastor kind of yeah. thing and it has been really um yeah a pleasant surprise i think to see how applicable it is to the to the average member of a, any congregation who mm. is to keep focus on the gospel be diligent about who they're listening to and all those kinds of exhortations that yeah apply to everybody um across the board from two teams yeah yeah, I think for me it just it just demonstrates the truth in the book of Ecclesiastes that things just are going around in cycles. Yeah. We often have this view that things are improving and getting better and better and better over time. The reality is that humans are humans and they always have been. Mm. The consequence of the fall is that we fall into the same mistakes and so the same answers to the same mistakes are still going to answer the problems. Mm. Uh, and so yeah. it is super relevant because under God's sovereignty, the answer to the problems that are always going to be there were given to Timothy and are given to us. Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking, like preaching through Daniel um, at Tarmore Baptist there, and we're going through the end now and the beasts and everything. And it, in there, I'm sort of just preaching through like 
this is a sign of just earthly rule, human mm-hmm. rule mm-hmm. throughout. And so it's just going to be the state of it until Christ returns and makes everything new. And it's really kind of brought home that Second Timothy. It's like, well, of course, false teachers were around then mm. and they're around now mm. because... It's the human condition to yeah. uh, turn away from the truth of God. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're sinful human beings mm. and some of us will want to take advantage of that. Mm. Yeah. Now, this is a very personal letter. Now, today when we train to become pastors and other ministry workers, we might go off to seminary for a while. And so there'll be a lot of students and one teacher in a room. So it's maybe difficult to have such a close link um, as Paul and Timothy had. How important is it, do you think, for someone wanting to go into Christian ministry to have this kind of close personal relationship with a mentor? And if you like, perhaps you could share how you've been blessed with such a relationship. And Mark, let's kick off with you. Yeah, um, I do. I do think it is important to have this type of relationship. I don't think it's limited to just one, though. Uh, mm. The kind of mentor-mentee kind of um, paradigm. I think part of the way that God, um, dis- uh, that that we grow as disciples, that God has designed the process of our sanctification to work, is from one individual speaking God's word to another, and so. In, in a sense, if you don't have people in your life doing that, you shouldn't expect to be growing as a Christian. And so yeah. for those who are heading into ministry, you expect them to have a, a quite a high degree of godliness and to be mature and well thought through on a whole bunch of things. And mm. uh, that simply won't happen unless there have been close personal relationships by wiser Christians who've been investing into them. So pretty consistent, I think, for everybody that I know who's been to Bible college and mm. present company included that uh, I think we would all report that, yeah, we were invested into by the previous generation in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, yeah, I, I do think that uh, for me that came uh, over the course of about 10 years when I became a Christian um, from the youth minister at my old church that I was serving under when I was a youth leader. And uh he poured just an immense amount of time into me, and uh, I look back on that now without really necessarily knowing that ev- at every interaction I was mm. being shaped and discipled. But the cumulative balance of those 10 years, I can see that the the impact that they had on me in making me into a more mature believer um, was so valuable. And so, yeah, his name was Rob Conway. I'm still in contact with him, deeply mm-hmm. thankful for his influence on my life. Um, I, I, one of my lecturers at Bible College um, used to talk about how the, the paradigm for every Christian ought to be that we pursue a Paul, we find a, an older mentor who will mm-hmm. mentor us, pursue a Paul, that we be a Barnabas, that is, be an encourager yourself and yeah. train a Timothy, have somebody mm. uh, younger yeah. in the faith, younger in the ministry that you're raising up. And I think that's that's a helpful kind of paradigm to try and keep in mind, that yeah. uh, to always find yourself in that situation where you're uh, being fed and taught and trained by someone and training someone else whilst yeah. also trying to exercise a sort of a ministry of encouragement and speaking God's word to whoever you can, wherever you can. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. really helpful, that. Yeah. Can, yeah. I, can I interrupt? Yeah, go <laughs> um, it, I, It's interesting the question was focused on just people going into ministry, mm. but I think it's, it's a, that relationship is really important for people who aren't going into ministry yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just sitting in, uh, in the pews. Um, you, you, when I look back on my life, it's been the significance of the significant input of an older person. It hasn't necessarily been a person that's older, yeah. But it's been a person that's that's been longer um, walking in the in the ways of the gospel and yeah. and and 
in the end, it somehow it flips it sometimes as well. You know, like sometimes a relationship goes on for a long period of time that that the experience you both bring to each other helps mm. to sharpen you. It's a bit like that steel mm. sharpening steel thing that um, the pastor spoke about. You know, the men's talk many months ago. Now, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's really helpful. Yeah, I think that's when you combine, like, say, Titus and Second Timothy, you really get that sharpening yeah. uh, within the church. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think for me, um, it just shows how clear God, our Creator, knows what works. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The reality is, is in a relationship, uh, people can say if if I if I am deeply invested in a relationship with someone, that person can say things to me that I disagree with. Um, they can pull me up. They can ask hard questions. Whereas if I read a book by somebody that's just a name on a cover, I can disagree with them and it's just irrelevant. Like, oh, what they say? I don't care what they say. Mm. Um, but if somebody that I know who's already spent a lot of time with me knows me, says mm. something that has much more impact. Yeah. And so I think that truth through relationship is actually an incredibly important thing that the, the letter to Timothy really, really emphasizes that you can't detach the message from the messenger. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, for me, there's been a number of people, um, but yeah, pastor of, of the church that I grew up at was involved in mission. Uh, and I can see very clearly looking back that I was heavily influenced by him uh, and he continues to be a person that if I've got questions if I'm going through things that I'm not really sure about I want clarification he'll often be my first point of contact send him an email make a time to catch up with him uh, and we've talked about things for more than 30 years oh wow brilliant excellent yeah, it's good for people to know that professional development requirements within most denominations today actually expect that people will be mentored who are in ministry. Um, the Baptist Association makes that a requirement for people that are accredited pastors today, and I think that's a really good thing. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think that's only going to grow. I think there's been a growing movement to see that happen over the last 10 or 15 years in particular. Mm. Yeah. Um uh, systematically through denominations. So, um, but thinking more broadly about the congregation, yeah, it's something that we've valued uh, for a long time as a church. We've on and off for the last ten years or so, we've been trying to encourage uh, mentoring culture in our church, and we even mm. had a team um, of people that were willing to do that. Um, and it was only taken up by a relative small, relative small number of people at the time. And so we've waxed and waned of sort of pushing that now and then. But I think it is so valuable. And um, perhaps it's the time commitment involved in that uh, mm. for the average person that can make that seem yeah. a bit hard to commit to. But yeah. I think the, the investment is so worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's difficult. And you get frightened by the complexity of it, mm, yeah. um, you know, particularly if you're having to give of yourself in order to be honest. And, and mm. you get, um, you put yourself on the line to a certain extent and you become exposed. And mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, it's, it's often those fears and foibles that, that intervene as well, um, which mm. clearly uh, Paul uh, and Timothy didn't sort of have in, in terms mm. of interfering in their relationship. My, my experience is that um, I think standing. Uh, standing on the precipice of entering into a mentoring relationship, you think to yourself, mm. "Gosh, what you know? What, what have I got go? to offer? Like, how <laughs> yeah. am I equipped yeah. for this? Like, yeah. what what will I say to them week in, week out, kind of thing?" Uh, and what what that kind of way of thinking, I think, fails to to account for is all those foibles and just the irregular interactions 
across the course of a lifetime mm. that demonstrate your own commitment to Jesus. And as the person you're mentoring sees that and just has proximity to that, that they kind of learn godliness from you in the way that you, you live your life and you make decisions and stuff. And that's, you can't, I don't think you can put a, a, a dollar value on how, just how precious that is. Yeah, to, it's, it's a time-based commitment. Mm. It doesn't happen until unless you actually spend the time. Yeah, that's the that's important right. part, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Spending yeah. the time and the rest of it flows. Yeah. Um, so. mm. Ooh, thanks for that. Now, <clears throat> a question which came through uh, was around Paul asking Timothy to come to him. So in chapter 4, verse 9, he says, Do your best to come to me quickly. And again in verse 21, Do your best to get here before winter. Now, I'm guessing he wants their company more so than he just wants his cloak back for winter and he wants some reading materials uh, to get him through winter. But the question is twofold. So firstly, do you think Paul expected Timothy to actually come and visit him in Rome? And secondly, how do you think Paul's letter from lockdown speaks to us in lockdown and thinking in particular about um, issues such as loneliness and depression? So Ken, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I, it's really hard to know exactly what Paul was thinking, but he clearly um, deeply desires that Timothy will value the relationship between them strongly enough mm. that he'll risk his own life by being associated with Paul the criminal, mm. who's very likely about to be executed for yeah. trusting and teaching about Jesus. Mm. Um, and so when he's when he's saying, come to me before winter, I think it's not just, it's it's going to be cold soon and I need my cloak, so please get here as soon as you can. Mm. Um, this is a man who knows he's about to die and he wants his son there with him to be able to talk about. And so the reason for asking for the parchments and the other writings is as he prepares, prepares his final defense, the final words, the final testimony that he's going to make about Jesus, mm. he wants it to be... Uh, a stunning fireworks that's going off at the end of the, yeah. the the New Year's fireworks. That's the big boom that everyone goes, wow. Uh, <laughs> like Paul has said so much over his lifetime, mm. and this is his last opportunity. Now, we never get to know what he actually said, yeah. uh, but it must have been pretty spectacular to be there and be a part of it. But I think at the same time, Paul is recognizing the reality that what he's asking Timothy to do is incredibly dangerous. Mm. Um, and it's not just, oh, this could impact your career. This could mean that you also will end up in jail on death row as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that there's that, yes, I want you to be here. I'm desperate for you to bring this stuff so that it can be all it can be. I want the fairy tale, but I know the reality that this could be really, really difficult. Mm. Yeah. Um, so how does it apply to us today? Uh, obviously, we're not in that same life and death situation, um, but clearly that that link of uh, just how how important mm. making clear the gospel is in every situation, even in the face of terrible uh, mm. pushback, um, is something that I think that we need to reconsider this is not just oh yeah if you get the chance have a think through what you might say uh, Paul the apostle who has spent so much time preaching and already knows how to say it uh, without thinking is still spending this this deep amount of time and thought invested into how am I going to say this the right way so that it communicates what it needs to communicate at that point in time mm. 
I think I th- we often um, think of Paul as this sort of unruffled, <laughs> uh, you know, Superman <laughs> yeah. of, uh, of a missionary who's learnt the secret of contentment in any and every situation. And so you think, oh, well, he's on death row. Well, he's probably just stiff up a lip and off he'll go to the gallows kind of thing. Mm. But even for him, there is a desire and a need for companionship in ministry partnership. He needs Mm. people with whom he can console and... Uh, who will encourage him and yeah. and uh, fill fill him up, so to speak? Like, uh, and so I, yeah, I, th- I think it does reflect just the the human <laughs> nature yeah. of Paul, and yeah, it does say something about how important um, uh, human connection is. And yeah. um, I don't know whether there'd be too much in the letter that speaks directly to issues of depression, but I think the certainly the the picture of um, the importance of companionship teaches us something about um, that it, it ought not be surprising to us when we miss that and when we mm. struggle if that is absent in our lives yeah and i think you know, isolation and loneliness has obviously been a big theme in the last 18 months with all the restrictions and yeah if anything this reminds us that yeah we do things in partnership as was just mentioned and mm. that relates not just to those you know on the ministry front line but to everyone that's part of you know the body of christ mm. and so actually need other people which is why we come to church and we're looking forward to doing that soon again yeah uh, we need that fellowship and encouragement but all the more in a time like this the reaching out to people and encouraging them in their walk um, yeah. spending time with them wherever you can uh, whether it's even on the phone is, is super valuable yeah and we'll do a lot to lifting people's uh, yeah. spirits and encouraging them in their walk yeah i guess i was thinking in terms of yeah, we've got another, what, four or five weeks maybe of a sort of lockdown before we're meeting up in church. So it's it's a good reminder perhaps to let's not sort of grow weary of calling people. Mm-hmm. Let's not grow weary of going for walks. Like just because we're about to meet up, there's no reason to stop doing these things. Actually, maybe even more mm. we need to, to get over this hurdle. Yeah. And I, th- and I think there's also that there's not an either or it's either people or God Paul mm. says mm. very clearly the Lord's standing by me even when everyone else has deserted me yeah. and so he's holding on to that truth that he's not alone yeah. and yet even with that truth and that encouragement that he receives from Jesus being with him mm. he's still desiring of people yeah. Jesus people to be standing with him as well and so we yeah. don't need to say it's one or the other yeah. um, and if, if nobody has called you recognize that Jesus is still with you yeah Uh, it's a a truth that we can hang on to yeah that's really really helpful thanks now second timothy is a pretty well-known letter um i think in particular the whole scripture is god breathed everyone knows this verse and so we might feel somewhat comfortable with this letter but having finished the series was there something that you learned that maybe wasn't part of your thinking before you began preparing for the series or maybe something that sort of jumped out at you that hadn't before so maybe if there was you can share yeah for me uh, i think um it's just the theme of opposition to the truth um those that would work against the gospel just came out more strongly than i remembered reading the letter previously you know and you get all these people named like homogenes and philetus and stuff like that so you know it's it's grounded in real events and people that are happening for Mm. paul right then and there and I think that's striking because, yeah, that uh, shouldn't surprise us. There's a lot of it, as we mentioned earlier, um, through the New Testament in terms of um, persecution for God's people and opposition to uh, the gospel going forward. But nonetheless, um, 
I think what struck me in that is that here he is right at the end of his life in jail as he writes this, Paul, and yet it's not like things have lessened or, you know, he's at a good point. Uh, He's obviously going to die because of his faith, but the very churches that he's planted are still wrestling with all this stuff. It's still all messy. Um, You know, if Ephesus, which is probably a pretty good example of a church and its health in the first century, Mm. has got its struggles and things that... Uh, you know, Timothy's dealing with, then uh, what about Corinth and, you know, yeah. and Galatia and all yeah, these others yeah. where you get even stronger letters in the yeah. New Testament? Mm. So it just struck me how that would have been a, a big burden, obviously, for Paul, mm. big burden to encourage those because yeah. he knows he's not going to be around. But how does he spur Timothy on so he doesn't give up shortly after, yeah, yeah. you know, Paul's demise? Like, what's going to keep him going mm. in, in what is tough ministry? Um, so, yeah, I think that was striking for me, and I think um, that wasn't um, negative or depressing, but it was encouraging to see that um, the letter is so real and we yeah. feel these kind of pressures today in our own situation. They may be less or different, but they're, they're nonetheless there. And I think, too, it um, it's great to hear the encouragement that Paul's offering to Timothy mm. and to take those words on all the more strongly and think, okay, well, this is I need to hear this yeah. and think about in my own context how I keep staying firm, keep pressing on and sharing the gospel. Uh, just for me, the, the, the clarity, between, as I said earlier, that, that link between the message and the messenger, I think in the West, uh, we're comfortable with the idea that ideas in and of themselves are truth and that they can be just this isolated thing uh, that's a fact and it's irrelevant of who discovered it or who taught it. Um, but the Bible here links them very tightly together. Um, and Paul is pushing Timothy to reflect really strongly on who he's received the truth truth from, uh, not just the truth he received. Uh, mm. And so it's really fascinating that the, the power and uh, influence that's expected to take place uh, by Timothy's mum and grandma. Um, often this letter is a, a, a favourite for a preaching conference or for teaching pastors. It's a short number of chapters. You can knock it over in a few days. Mm. Um, but the reality is, is clearly this is not just about what pastors need to be doing. Mm. Um, the person who's potentially most influential in Timothy's life is his grandma, uh, who are you having that kind of influence in that, that mm. the person who mentored your your son, your grandson to be a pastor looks back to you and says, look at your grandma, look at what she did mm. in keeping you firm in the faith. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's an incredible encouragement that as we, we we're so much on about uh, teaching the truth, mm. but so much is caught rather than taught. Yeah. Uh, and so how are we living out the gospel? How is that? influencing people so that they do as we do, uh, Mm. which Paul's very happy to say this is what you should be doing. Mm. Yeah. And that reminder that Paul gives, uh, don't forget Mm. these people Mm. or don't don't dismiss Mm. the importance of the message of such people. They may not be the pastor, but Mm. yeah. I think for me, the the, perhaps the thing that uh, has has been made clear to me is the perhaps the um, the call throughout the book to a life of suffering and service in mm. the name of Jesus. And that seems to be kind of the sticking point for a lot of the people who are departing from the faith and from the church, that whatever it is the false teachers are offering, it's sort of more comfortable and more cushy. And yet Timothy is to stand firm preaching the gospel of a crucified Messiah and to follow Paul's example of suffering and and to not be shy about that. And 
I think that that is a helpful reminder um, for the church in any age, but especially right now, that following Jesus won't be comfortable always mm. and, and convenient. And in fact, belonging to him is going to hurt sometimes and it's gonna, there's going to be all sorts of costs associated with it, but that that's the pattern of the gospel that mm. means we're on the right track in a sense. Um, yeah, and I, I think that there's a temptation perhaps uh, for a lot of people to sort of try and have the Christian life be as as convenient and as comfortable yeah. as it can be, minimize the suffering, minimize, minimize the inconvenience. But yeah, it's, it's kind of a wake up call that no, mm. actually that's that's not at all the pattern of the savior that we follow and the life that he's calling us to. And so, yeah, a, a bit of a warning there, I think, as I've, I've read through the yeah. book. Yeah, in our home groups, we've been having some really, really good discussions. I think every week, I mean, the studies. The shortest study we've had has probably been an hour and a quarter, <laughs> and we've had ones that have gone longer, and it's not, yeah, just because we're each trying to just share our views or anything like that. It's just been really, really good, heartfelt mm. discussion and encouragement. So I think as a home group, we've, I think we've all really, really grown through this letter. It's been, yeah, really, really helpful mm. for us. So, yeah. Now, this is principally a letter from Paul to Timothy to encourage him in his pastoral duties. But as we've just been saying, it's not just to pastors. that This is for all Christians. But as we close, like almost as if you're writing your last words um, to encourage your hearers, how would you focus them uh, that they should be doing during these current times that we're living in? Like what are the kind of words that you would want to and part and Rod, perhaps you could speak to those in the church who are in some kind of leadership role. Uh, Mark, perhaps to those who are serving in the church, and maybe Ken, if you could finish us up, uh, just speaking more broadly to those of us in the congregation. Mm. Well, I, for myself, two Timothy two two has often been a well known verse that people uh, memorize about passing on the gospel to the next generation. There's sort of three generations of leaders mentioned in that. Um, that it might be passed down, that the gospel chain is not broken. And I actually preached on that passage in the series. And it just struck me that, yeah, in the first instance, this is obviously a call to leaders that they need to do this. This is mm. a key part of their role. Um, it goes beyond that. But as you think about leaders in particular, um, yeah, if you're not training up people, if you're not um, raising up new leaders mm. that are going to continue the work of the gospel, um, then you've got the wrong mindset. You know, you're, mm. you're seeing that the gospel uh, spread will come to an end with your generation if you're not training up the next. And so uh, for me, that puts a lot of value on what we do with children and youth ministry to raising mm. up home group leaders. It's the whole range of uh, ministries across the church because it's not just about the adults uh, that are learning, mm. um, but it's about the younger generations as well. Um, and so we've got to be mindful of all of that as a church and be thinking, okay, Okay, every uh, role of leadership that has oversight, particularly um, teaching God's word, is so crucial across mm. our whole church community. And so we've got to be really thoughtful about that, and we need to be training as many people that they're ready to step into such uh, roles and responsibilities. Mm. I think to to those who are serving in our church and who, who are parts of ministry teams and that sort of thing, I think I'd probably want to point them to the example of Paul uh, being that one who who runs 
to the end of his race. Mm. Um, and even here as he's writing from prison, he's still thinking ministry and he's trying to build up the church and equip yeah. this church in Ephesus. And he's asking for you know his parchments and he's asking for his colleagues who are going to be helpful to him in his ministry. He just he doesn't stop serving. He doesn't stop mm. trying to uh, do gospel work. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think that there's a, a reminder here for those of us who serve in any capacity to not grow weary mm. and to not think that there's a, a retirement age as a Christian. Yeah. That uh, you know we're not we're not going to be subbed off and uh, taken yeah. off the field like yeah. we're, we're, it's everyone on, everyone in, keep going till yeah. Jesus returns. And um, I think probably there's a weariness going around. I don't think that's a great secret. Um, yeah. Uh, and so I think it's it's good for such people, myself included, to be reminded that uh, the, the race is long and there's yeah. more to do. And yeah. let's lean on the the strength that we find in the grace of Christ and keep going. Yeah. yeah. Um, for everyone, I think that, that, that what comes through really clear is patient faithfulness in relationships is just so mm. desperately important. Mm. Uh, it is the God-given way of truths being passed on in a way that they actually stick. Um, and all of us have got the ability, the capacity, uh, the time, if we're willing to give it, uh, to actually do relationships well. Uh, I, it's just interesting, as a pastor, uh, it would be very easy for me to have people like my parents or my wife be my fan. Say, oh, that was a really good sermon, Ken. Yeah. Oh, you, that was a fantastic study you wrote. You don't need a fan. You need someone who's willing to come and say, well, I think you actually missed the point on that one. Mm. Uh, and and there's people in my life who have that role, and I'm very, very thankful for it. Mm. Um, and so the, the, the idea is not that, okay, you have to be the condescending voice all the time that's disagreeing and pointing out the faults, but in a real relationship, there is both positive and negative but the the true friend is willing to say things that are difficult to say um, and we can't say those kind of things unless we're in those kind of relationships which take a whole lot of time to develop uh, and so to be able to have those kind of hard conversations uh, that are necessary for everybody whether they're in a leadership role or serving or sitting in the congregation uh those relationships are just so desperately important for people to be actually able to hear. If I'm not in relationship with somebody, it doesn't matter what I say to them, it'll just be water off a duck's back. Mm. In relationship, might not be said as eloquently or as precisely, but it'll probably have much more impact. So work on your relationships. Yeah. Great. Thanks very much, guys, for yeah the time you spent today with us. And thank you as well for your hard work. Uh, during this series and you know, just generally during lockdown and just you know, bringing us all the sermons each week, uh, the online services, the home groups and everything. It's yeah, appreciated by many, uh, even if it may not be voiced. Just know that everyone is really thankful for all your hard work. So thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening and for Mike uh, for recording. You're welcome. And the super comments in there as well. <laughs> actually no, this a mic this fun. time. Yeah. <laughs> Mike got a mic. <laughs> now, next week, we have another surprise episode coming up as I'll be chatting with an author from within our congregation and finding out what it's like to have a book published. Uh, but you'll have to tune in next week to find out who that will be. Thanks very much for listening. This has been a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. You can listen to past sermons and deeper podcasts and also find information about our Sunday services on our website at wollongongbaptist.org.